Volume 2, Chapter 11 of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, a novel by Anna Cora Mollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 11 I feel a thousand mortal things about me, but nothing godlike, unless it may be, the thing which you condemn, a disposition, to love and to be merciful, to pardon the follies of my species, and, that's human, to be indulgent to my own. Sardanopolis From Hubert Damoreau to Frederick Ruthven March 3rd Another turn of fickle Beldame's wheel, dear Fred. But the same revolution which hurled me to the bottom has sent me to the summit with a bound. I took my chance, as I threatened to do, at the most damnable Wall Street Pharaoh table and ruined myself in the fancies. But you know me too well to suppose that chagrin spoilt my appetite. The money I lost was laid out at Ursary, for it purchased me more exhilarating excitement than I have been able to procure myself since, uh, since the last scurvy trick which fate took it into her head to play me. It was something novel to be pursued by a dun and threatened with a lawsuit for a tailor's bill. If some of the rascals had only put their bad debts against me in the hands of one of the celebrated New York collectors, I should have been supremely diverted by the fellow's maneuvers. But although this was all very pleasant by way of an interlude, it would not have been a convenient continuation of life's comedies. My fortunes were to be repaired, but as long as two soft eyes, heirs to a cool couple of hundred thousand, looked smilingly upon me, my case was not desperate. In a word, two weeks after my Wall Street's divertissements, the charming Amy had promised to be, and I had promised to make her, my wife. The latter, for the consideration of a ready hundred thousand, to be doubled when the old man kicks the bucket. You will rail at my having sold my liberty at so cheap a rate, but necessity has no law. Seriously speaking, and seriousness in me on this subject is at present becoming. Amy is a lovely young creature, as pure as a snowdrop and as warm as sunbeam, and unluckily for herself, far more constant. She has decidedly grown prettier since her affections have developed, and the different phases which her tenderness assumes divert me. Her color comes and goes like the shadow of a willow branch waves in the wind. She is decidedly winning in her sweetness, but the purest honey cloys the soonest. I feel a want in her presence, which at once dissipates the charm which her sex generally weaves about themselves. You remember the bard of Avon sings, 
things done are done. Joy's souls lies in the doing. And Amy's heart once gained, there is nothing more to ask or accomplish, nothing to discover, no feminine mysteries to unravel, no tantalizing coquetry to provoke interest. She is all candor, all devotion. She acknowledges her love without a blush, and as though the avowal were made from an instinctive impulse of the heart. She yields her very soul up to me and courts no gaze of admiration, cares for no word of praise, asks no caress, listens to no adulation but mine. She would have made an admirable wife for Caesar. Sans peur et sans reproche. But your humble servant prefers a little more cordovie in his milk punch. Yet, after all, it matters little. For did she possess the charms of an Aspasia, and were her lures superior for those of the wily Cleopatra, I could not love by compulsion. Like Sardanapalus, I could not hug the chain which duty bade me wear. My love must be untrammeled. And when the little heathen god stands with outspread wings, then only am I moved to woo him to stay. Then only do I acknowledge his divinity. Notwithstanding this sang I have succeeded so well in hastening my matrimonial arrangements that instead of the 3rd of June, the 3rd of April has been appointed as the bridal day. Amy looks forward to the nuptial hour with happy composure, and I have no doubt that she will walk to the altar with as placid a brow, a smile on her lips, and her eyes confidingly seeking mine. If she would but hang down her head and blush and tremble, then perhaps I might persuade myself to view her with some transient interest. But, as it is, I am afraid that I shall fall asleep during the ceremony. How unlike the sparkling, varying, bewitching, bewildering Evelyn. In her presence, no faculty of the mind could slumber. Every nerve was strained to attract her wandering gaze, or to keep pace with the flashings of her quick fancy. Her very changefulness and incomprehensibility was her most certain fascination. But hers was no ordinary character. She seemed endowed with an innate purity of spirit, and yet possessed a voluptuous warmth of blood in variance with this infantile innocence. Her actions were all prompted by irresistible impulses, and spontaneity was her especial characteristics. The variable skies of April were ever reflected upon her countenance. The bloom of May was always upon her cheek, and the summer warmth of June ever in her heart. If passion could be gifted with more than a butterfly's existence, it must have been inspired by such a woman. Happily, I have outgrown my hypochondriac fears about Claudine. I have not seen her since the inopportune reconnoitre which I mentioned, 
and when I reflect upon her character, my suspicions are lulled to rest. She is fiery but vacillating in her disposition, revengeful but unenergetic. If she takes her revenge in imagination, the act will have sufficient reality to satisfy her. I cannot decide whether or not she has left New York. I only know that if she had sought, she could have found me. When do you commence your projected tour to the North? The attractions of this American Paris will soon be at their height, and you might walk through the streets of Paris a thousand years without meeting the beauty which you would encounter in half a one here. This is the city of fountains and fair women. We have both in abundance. As for amusements, if you are young enough to retain a taste for fetes and theatricals and sentimental enough to have a passion for opera and concerts, you will find no lack of entertainments. I have a strong desire to behold you again, for there are some few passages in the epic of my life which, though dangerous if commemorated in black and white, may be talked over to the foaming of a bottle of champagne with perfect freedom. Come, and I will pour a strange tale in thy started ears. Yours, as ever, Hubert Damoreau. End of chapter 11